we love. <laughs> so when I was in college, you met Ed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I did meet Ed. Baldwin? No, the other Ed, Barham. Oh. Lives wow. in Miami now. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Congratulations to him on his marriage, right? He's engaged. Um, they share oh. a birthday. Actually, today is their birthday. So happy birthday, oh, Ed happy and, birthday. Nick, and Nikia. It's also my advisor's birthday. It's Harry Potter's birthday. It's J.K. Rowling's birthday. It's Sarah Kadaj's birthday, who was my neighbor growing up. And it's also Amber Boykin's birthday, who I think lives in Maryland now. Word. Sloppy face. So, yeah, Ed, every time we used to go out, Ed used to get on, like, Facebook. We used to have those little uh, flip cameras, and he would always uh-huh. be recording court they saying we love and so <laughs> and then he would say something like the then he would say oh it's about to be an epidemic night not epic but epidemic wow wow was so, that like purposeful or he was just like struggling a little bit i think it was i think it was surrey county coming out of him oh okay okay gotcha 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 but I yeah don't know much about surrey county so yeah, I mean, you know, Surrey County is. Mixed. I think Joy was was from Surrey County. I went to college with her. It makes Farmville look like a metropolis, right? Wow. Okay, I'm not participating in this slander. People from Surrey don't come for me. <laughs> this is all cool. But yeah, so let's have an epidemic show. What's going on let's in your have life? An epidemic show. Let's eat. A lot has been going on in our life. So number one, can we just applaud each other for actually recording when we said we were going to record? I don't know the last time that that happened. So let's start there. But other than that, um, it's actually been a really, really busy, almost like to the point of being stressful, overwhelming couple of weeks since I talked to you. Yeah. So since you talked to me on the show, not since you've talked to me. Oh, yeah. No, I talk to you like every day, unfortunately. That's a blessing for you. But carry on. (laughs) Um, okay, so recently, for those of you who don't know, maybe you haven't been clued in, perhaps for the people who don't follow us on Twitter, at Ain't No Free Lunch, just in case you were interested, please follow us. There was something that pretty pretty major that happened on Stanford's campus. I think it was July the 12th. We had a noose that was hung on campus. And what? A noose? In 2019, in in this post-racial society? In 2019, in this post-racial society in California where everybody's a liberal and everybody all diverse, apparently. A bunch of years around all that. But yeah. So there was a noose that was hung on campus and it happened on July 12th. I didn't find out about it, I think, until like July 17th. And aren't you in a leadership from role? Like CNN. Aren't you oh, like yeah. in a so leader? I'm the yeah, I'm the president of the Black Graduate Student Association out here. Like that aside, the as soon as I saw it, I saw it someone put it in a group chat that there was a news that had been hung on campus, Savers campus, and it was coming from CNN.com. So we were all confused. So I opened my email like clearly I've missed some sort of message, some sort of something that came from administration. Because if there's a news that's hung on 
campus and we've got people msnbc reported on it cnn reported on it whole bunch of people reported on it and they all knew before i did and i live on this campus mm. so what did you yeah. do about it one of the things that we did so i again i'm the president of the black graduate student association so i immediately started like communicating with my executive board particularly henry who was the bsu president over at duke when they had a noose hung on their campus he's our vice president but also does a lot with political action kimia loader who's our community outreach chair. She's from Birmingham, Alabama, went to Spelman. So we kind of like came together to figure out what is the appropriate response because the campus was not responding. The police didn't show up until an hour later and basically took the news down and told the woman who reported it, we took it down. What else do you want us to do? Like, that's it. Their response. Administration called it a symbol of hate, is recognized as a symbol of hate. And we were kind of like, nah, dog, like, this is an actual weapon. This is a tool of violent, like violent, right? It's not just a symbol. That was a lot. So we came together, we constructed two, th we did two things. The first thing we did, you already um, know about, you know about the second one too, but most people know about the first one. It was kind of like wrangling cats. We got all of the black organizations on campus. So that's from the postdocs to the undergrads to all the graduate organizations. And we constructed a letter, Kimya, Henry and I, some of us writing, some of us editing, that sort of thing. And we constructed this this letter that had to do with basically a statement of solidarity. So I had heavy input from the rest of my executive board, you know, shout out to Jessica Stovall, communications chair, uh, Shayla Clark, financial officer. We had Jamila Morris, who does academic chair. So all these people putting in Isaac on fundraising. And we got all of the different organizations together. Shout out to Gawain Calvin, who was our undergraduate liaison. And they signed on to this letter of solidarity. It took us forever to write this. And like, you know how public statements go. You you make them. You want to make sure you're saying the right things. And what sure. for that, what we wanted to do was make sure that we were centering black students and black staff, anybody who felt like Stanford wasn't taking the situation seriously because they weren't. So that we put on our Twitter page that and got what, published in the Stanford Daily. And what was the response from the administration? Administration didn't really respond to that one. They responded to the second letter. So we constructed another letter that I wrote with heavy editing that went to administration. And it was a private letter. And we basically were like, look, this this not going to fly. <laughs> and in that letter, we said, you know, these are the things that we want changed. We want a meeting. We want, well, we want meetings. We want a community-wide response. We want to reevaluate some other things. And we also want you to send out a, a no mass notification that says we were wrong. So so administration responded to that. They did send out a mass notification to that, the one that they should have sent out a long time ago that basically said that this is not appropriate, highlighted the history of lynching. But most important to me was they apologized. They were like, this is basically we dropped the ball. Yeah, you did. Mm. And then we met with the president on Monday, the leaders, some of the leaders of the Black Orgs. And so how did that go? Because I know at your alma mater, when folks had a meeting with the president, that didn't go very well, but. It didn't go too well uh, at, at, over at, at uh, William and Mary, but here, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say about it because everybody keeps asking me how it went. And of course it was like, we're listening to you. We're going to take down these notes. We're going to do this, that, the third, but I'm not, they, they were basically like, we hear you and we're going to see what we can do, which is not adequate to me. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to have some future meetings. I don't think they're they're expecting us to follow up. 
follow up or be interested in accountability, like seriously interested in accountability. But we are. There's been issues and there's been meetings with the president over black affairs at, at Stanford for, you know, ages. People have done this before. But I think that this new situation really crystallized like the, the pervasive anti-blackness that lubricates this campus. So that's what I've been doing. Okay. I know that was like a long, <laughs> long story, but it's it's been a while in the making. We've been working really hard on it, sometimes to the expense of my own work. So that's not good. I'm this type of person that I feel and I tweeted this. You know, mm. I feel like I when I'm really know people, when I really get close to them, I can tell their words no matter where they are. And there are quite a few uh, phrases in that leather, the public the, like the public statement i was like yo this is danielle green all the way like the sentence construction I was like yo this is the way she texts me like i, I know exactly who this is <laughs> kudos to you for doing that and i know longwood had this issue i think it was last academic year i don't think it was a noose i think it was like some vandalism in the library maybe a swastika or something and the administration kind of dropped the ball on how they dealt with it after the mm-hmm. fact so they usually um, do all right, so a little bit more locally, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday was July 30th. And that yeah, was there was the, a lot happening. That was the 400th anniversary of the House of Burgesses meeting, which is credited with being the first legislative body in the Western Hemisphere. So in 1619. And so that yeah. commemoration event was headlined by... Donald Trump, who was invited by Governor Northam. And so I found this very interesting. Trump is the first sitting president to address the Virginia General Assembly. Interesting. I didn't know that. Neither did I. So they had a commemoration event at Jamestown. So Northam said he invited Trump last year because of the significance of this event. And first of all, acting crazy last year. What do you mean? What do you mean? Was I supposed to save him from something? I I invited him last year. Trump been acting crazy since he been on TV. Let's not do that. So personally, I found the invitation disrespectful. And part of this considering. Tell me why you met considering why Trump, like (laughs) how Trump has repeatedly referred to Elizabeth Warren as Pocahontas. Oh, yeah. And I've said numerous times that the way he uses Pocahontas, uh, he like he weaponizes the name. Oh, it's derogatory. And it should be perceived as a slur. Yeah. And like, let's be clear, the history that we that we that a lot of people have accepted, like the Disney story of Pocahontas, like that's that's just not true. Can I tell you? That story has been cloaked in lies and whitewashing history. But yeah, carry on. I just want to tell uh, the listeners that Pocahontas, my, my first baby protest was over Pocahontas. I was in kindergarten and my dad told me that the story of Pocahontas was not the real story. Right. And I remember being like, yes, it is. She married John Smith. Da, 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 da. And, you know, Randy Green <laughs> was like, OK, but she didn't. She married John Rawls. Like this whole story. Not only that, she was like a child bride. She was like, what, 13 or something like that. He was a grown man. Was totally young. inappropriate. Not even totally inappropriate. That's like statutory. But uh, anyway, so I was in kindergarten and the teacher put it on and I loved Miss Ogi. Miss Ogi was a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher who I loved deeply. But apparently I turned my back to the screen 
and wouldn't watch it because I was like, that's not the real story. My daddy told me it won't the real story. And my mom was the assistant principal at the time. And so I remember her like telling me about it later. But yeah, that was my first baby protest against Pocahontas, the Disney movie. Yeah, because, you know, what most people don't know is Pocahontas was actually married. She was the settlers killed her husband. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. At 13? Yeah. So she married really young. The settlers killed her husband, took her baby, and then she was kidnapped and raped and had another child like as a product of the rape. And then mm. she married John Rolfe. So this story that we've heard of Pocahontas is like, is definitely not true at all. But nevertheless, he was invited as a speaker. And so the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus protested that commemoration ceremony and they organized alternate events in Richmond. And so they shared that they protested really for two reasons. Mm -hmm. Number one, the commemoration in Jamestown largely ignored the impact that American chattel slavery had on this democracy. And they said that the first enslaved at well, we know the first enslaved Africans arrived in America in August of 1619. The legislative black caucus said you literally can't tell one story without the other because their histories are enmeshed. Hmm. And they are numerous members of the Legislative Black Caucus or people who are affiliated with the Legislative Black Caucus who participated in the American Evolution Group, which okay. was basically the organizing body for yesterday's commemoration ceremony. And they said that they were not included in the decision making process involving like the invitation to Donald Trump. Okay. Including America's first black governor since Reconstruction, L. Douglas Wilder. Mmm. 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 Wilder. Yeah. And he so in the news too. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> so I don't really I want mean... I, I, I want to talk about it, but I don't think we have time today. But like can okay. we really talk about the fact that we're gonna have to revisit. He's been accused of sexual assault. Oh, yeah. And his rebuttal, <laughs> his rebuttal highlights the punctuation that his accuser used in a text message to him. Mm. And he said, oh, she used an exclamation point, so she couldn't have been a victim. She was excited to see me. I mean, he going to do what he going to do. So you have to talk about it. I, I mean, it's just like you've been accused of sexual assault, like. I think and in Virginia talk about people sending you exclamation points. A, yeah. Punctuation mark in a text message. It could have been a typo. I, I mean, I don't know. I really think that we should just write a course on what not to do in crisis management and like pitch it to universities around the country because I think we could do some really good work and because y'all want to hire us. <laughs> Virginia, like they just been <laughs> dropping the ball. And then the fact Justin Fairfax, lieutenant governor, went to the event yesterday and basically said, hey, like, I don't care who's occupying the White House. This is all about the birth of democracy. And for some reason, like his quote just it rubbed me wrong. And then I was reading a passage from Between the World and Me by Coates. OK, while we here, I bought I. I loaned my coach book to someone. It That's wasn't a, me. Was it me? No. No, 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 no. That's a no, mutual I friend. Who, I know who I have. I is The one that I have ain't mine, but it ain't yours neither. And I, it's been probably two or three years, and I still haven't seen that book. It's not mine. 
No, it's I, not I, you. Actually, I'm a culprit. I have somebody's coats book, but I know exactly whose coats book I have. It's not yours. Whose do you have? Because it might be mine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's not yours, though. It, it we'll could talk be, off air. It, it could be mine. <laughs> but yours. nevertheless, Coates talked about how we worship democracy in uh-huh. a way that allows for dim awareness that that they had from time to time still in defiance of their God, like how Americans worship democracy. And oh, I yeah. just feel like everyone who went yesterday to the commemoration event who have tried to say, this isn't about Trump. This is all about how far we've come as a country and such like i'm i'm kind of labeling those people as birthers now like oh big, interesting the birth of democracy okay you're a birther but i want to shout out to the vlbc for calling people on the carpet and pushing the conversation beyond a commemoration and so one of your classmates actually one of has, my classmates has been like at the forefront of pushing a conversation you're not gonna make you're not gonna i'm not gonna say nothing i don't have nothing to say delegate <laughs> Delegate Jay Jones and Delegate Jeff Bourne, they've been like really calling people on the carpet on social media. Uh-huh. And I've been here for it. But I also like kind of in transition, I think, how do we truly honor the victims of Virginia's oppressive system now? Because equity has become this buzzword that everyone uses. But how do we make it an actionable item? I feel like we need to backtrack for a second because this is my thing with them inviting Donald Trump to the commemoration, right, of whatever is our first legislative body. I heard that they also invited Nancy Pelosi, but she declined. Yeah. Uh, and so one of the things that is really interesting to me is it's going to sound controversial, but, you know, that's what we're here for. I'm not even mad that they invited Trump because he. I mean, he's their president of the United States. He's not mine, but it makes sense for an event like that to have the president of the United States, even though he probably doesn't do much for like the legislative process. But he also doesn't make laws. I would be really interested if he had been, they had more so focused on inviting members of Congress. But not only that, like, yeah, we talking about celebrating de- democracy. That won't know democracy. Facts. Like 1619, those wealthy white landowning men. Oh, nah, we're not calling that a democracy. That's an oligarchy. Like everybody likes to pretend like we're out here celebrating democracy. We're not. That's not a democracy. There would never was a democracy. It's it's still struggling to be a democracy as it stands. Mm, I see like I I feel like for once in my life I see both sides like I get it he's the president of somebody in the United States and this is a big deal for blah 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 400th year of the legislative body invite this man I don't know know that he needed to speak he could have sat on the stage and looked simple the part of it that I struggle with honestly is the fact that you were saying this up because I remember you jumped on me about respectability politics. Oh yeah, and, and like November respectability politics. Oh, I and, think it and makes like, sense to invite the president. And like November twenty sixteen, I was like, uh-huh. hey, I didn't vote for Trump. I think we have to respect the integrity of the office. I I didn't say all that. No, that's no, that's what, no, that's what why no, invited him. No, that's what I said. Oh okay. And you were like, nah. I mean, this is Trump. Like, you have to throw all the playbook out. And there you're like, well, I mean, he still holds off. Like, I don't know. It's just weird. No, no, no. I know what you're saying. But what I'm saying is I'm not saying that, like, had I been on a committee, I'd have been like, yeah, let's let's invite Trump. Let's bring him because he's the president of somebody's United States. Right. I feel like 
I'm more so just like, I understand why people invited him. And people out here being fake outraged, Northam is really this left-leaning, for real left-leaning Democrat. Y'all surprised? Y'all mad. Y'all still have Northam in, in the governor's office. And what's his name? The lieutenant governor? I don't forgot his name because he's that irrelevant to my life right now. He's still sitting there. He's he shook Trump's hand. Y'all not mad at them no more. That's that's close to home. Like let's let's keep it a bean. Y'all want to jump and march and holler about Trump coming to United, um coming to Virginia. We got leaders in Virginia that don't need to be there. So let's let's do both. But I'm not gonna stress about Donald Trump who coming to to talk at the 400th commemoration of a fake democracy, was which is what it was. Let's not get all high and mighty and act like we we celebrating a for real democracy here. So tell us why you mad. I'm t- I'm just telling you, like I think that that's the, the it doesn't make sense to me to jump up and be fake mad over a fake democracy that we're celebrating. He at the helm of a fake democracy right now. They seem in line with one another, rich, old, white guys. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Why? Well, my person, he was the perfect person to invite to this legislative body, quote unquote, commemoration. I'm just saying, I wouldn't have invited him, but I, I, I'm not mad that he showed up. <laughs> that's, not, <laughs> that's not respectability politics. I'm just saying, we got old boy as governor and lieutenant governor. And what y'all thought? The attorney, the attorney general also wore blackface. Don't forget about that. And the attorney that. general who was quick to hop on some, oh, me too. Sir, that's not the me too movement but, we're talking about right now. That's not what we need. So side note, Senator Tommy Norman, who was the editor of the yearbook at Eastern Virginia Medical School, which is where Ralph Northam's blackface okay. picture appeared. Showed up, was placed, was approved. <laughs> Was so, so Norman was the editor of that book. And so yesterday there was House of Delegates member who protested while Trump was there. I did see that. That's, and, a, that's the action I'm talking about. That's the action. Right. So he protested when Trump was there and Norman re- referred to him as a um, as a bastard. Who is the who, are the who who is Norman for the people who are not from Virginia? Coop? He's a senator of Virginia. Okay. There we go. And so the delegate that he still got a job. And so the delegate that that protested was delegate Ibrahim Samira. So delegate Samira is a person of color and a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And for Norman to refer to him as a bastard, like from That's where I'm, standard. where That's I'm from, you don't refer to anybody as a bastard, right? No, you don't but, do that. Mm-hmm. but especially from where you sit, and you've already like in light of blackface, oh, you're yeah, still pretty Collins. You, you're still up here calling someone a bastard. So the blackface thing, man, it seems weird that we didn't talk about this up here. We, yeah, we weren't we weren't on the we weren't on the airways at the time. But, the, you know, for me, it's really like we're really going to be out here outraged. But y'all still y'all y'all still. Nah, OK, I can't. So I can't. so this is the thing for me. I've said over the past nearly six months now that it comes down to eligibility and suitability. Oh, yeah. And so while Northam and Herring and Fairfax all remain eligible because of their actions or accused actions, it comes down to suitability. They're not suitable for the position. if If I was an advisor to Justin Fairfax, there's nowhere in the world I would have you shaking hands in light of you being accused of sexual assault, 
shaking hands with another accused perpetrator of sexual assault. Like, there's no way in the world I would ever have you do that. And so I, he, I was told he, that. But he said he didn't do it. So the street committee. He said he didn't do it, though. So the street committee <laughs> said that Fairfax didn't acknowledge Trump when he came in. Like, he didn't clap or anything for him. But, but he thing, shook his hand. Yeah. And I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Because Fairfax could potentially run for another office. Could you imagine that being on a poster like for Democratic primary on oh, yeah. a, a mailer? Like that's just not a good look. Nah, it's not, but I'm just saying it's not a good look, but I don't think he's really concerned about what is a good look with the way that he's handled this entire, all of these allegations, how Northam has handled the entire situation. I don't know. I think the righteous indignation that people are having, uh, it might be, I mean, it's all well and good and it's needed and blase, blase. But I think honestly, if we're, we're really thinking about stuff, one of the things that we advocate the most on this podcast is like local politics matter, right? So what, Trump is doing, okay, it affects us as a nation, but like deeply, deeply what Virginia is doing, that affects everyday, day-to-day things that's happening for a lot of people. And so for me, this whole, I don't know, I I just want to see what they boycott next. That's that's my thing. Because we got some problems at home that need to be be solved before we start worrying about 45. I mean, we can worry about both, but I just want to see the same energy. You feel me? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we ever have to be monolithic, right? Like, Mm-mm, there's no. no one, like, there's no reason to say like, we can only focus on one thing at a time. Um, no, you're right. I was just saying that I need the same energy for both. And the energy for the the two that are at home has kind of died down. Yeah, I think people are now beginning to pivot in some of the elder statesmen from Virginia politics who reach out to me say things like oh we just and i quote one of them said we just have to forget that that happened like the most important thing is winning the majorities in the state legislature this year this is so stupid like that's literally the same talking points of like why we still have a 45 in the candidacy like people just forgetting that things happen things that other people cannot forget because it is their lived day-to-day experience that has been literally a, turned their entire worlds upside down. We're just going to forget it because we need a majority. A majority that for real, for real, if we want to talk about actionable items, let's really talk about how we're how we're advocating for people who have been affected by systemic oppression, by these fake legislative bodies that we've had across the United States, right? Like, let's talk about what is the legislation that we're putting up that's going to make sure that populations, particularly Black populations in the United States, in Virginia, what has the legislative body since four like when 400 years ago they weren't concerned about us so now that we have people in these legislative positions i need y'all to turn up for real and pass some legislation so what kind of legislation do you want i want to look at education in particular because in, in virginia we like to tout that we have this great education system but we like to forget about places especially when we're looking at a whole state we like to forget about you know the 757 in a lot of places particularly Norfolk, I'm thinking about like norfolk portsmouth, portsmouth. Newport Duper News. News. We ignore Petersburg. Richmond. We ignore Richmond. Uh, and, and so, like, what when we're talking about, like, all of these places that have all these great education systems, we're completely taking those places, like, those 
those communities, those school systems out of the picture when we talk about how great Virginia's school systems are. If some of our children are failing, we're all failing. And that really needs to be like a, a serious focus. We also need to be thinking about healthcare. There are things that we can do on a state level that can ensure that people get the healthcare that they need. Right. We don't have to wait for people to argue about it at the Democratic debates or argue about it or see what Trump is going to do. There are things that governors have been doing in their individual states that have said, like, OK, this is this is the problem that we face. And we want our people to have quality health care, no matter who they are or where they're from or what they've done in life. I need to see legislation on prison reform. Bring right? back parole. We have a mass incarceration. We need to bring back parole. Like that's something that is really, really affecting a lot of communities. A lot of community. That's one of the things that I did like from McAuliffe, right? When he started signing the, you know, rest, restoring people's voting rights. There's so many things that we can do on, and we should be doing on a statewide level that can be really, really bringing home what we need. Cannabis justice. To, yes, we need. Okay, not yes. Cannabis justice is not just the legalization of marijuana, but making sure that we're eradicating all for like all forms of what is it called? Um, making sure that we're we're vacating people's sentences. For possession, right? I think that there are so many things that we should be doing that are really, really affecting the black and the black and brown people of Virginia that we're not doing. And so when I when you say people are turning up and taking people to carpet, what legislation are they putting on the table? Because that's what I want to see. And then if we want a majority, what are we going to do once we get the majority? Because we've had the majority before. Sure. What came of it? I'll wait. Some things, you know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not going to discredit a whole like, but what I'm saying is like we can do, we can protest, we can do this, we can do that, we can do all of those other things, but I want to see legislation being brought to the table even if it's getting shot down. I need to know that it's, somebody's trying. So, I I think that's the misconception like some of this legislation that you're asking for has been introduced. A lot of times it never makes it out of subcommittee. But some of it has been introduced. But yes, we should be doing more. And I think I'm the resident optimist here, right? So I'll preface my comments by saying that. But I think that like the tide is is definitely turning in Virginia, and people are starting to see their political power, and not just electeds, right? I think people and they're starting to apply some of that. They're using some of that agency to push for causes and things that are necessary. I think people are starting to finally apply that agency to push for legislation that's necessary and that like promotes equity in Virginia. No, it's not going to happen overnight, but like Oh, no, we, no, no. we have we have to start taking some steps there, right? Because as you said, has the system ever truly been a democracy here? Mm-mm. And so, like, how do we change this current system to make it so it's democracy for all of us, right? Right. So what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that this legislation hasn't been. So you know, like my my brother Yo Yo is locked up, right? I know he lets me know, okay, the pro- let me know how the parole bill, because they, they put that bill up almost every year, how it does in the legislature. I'm following. I can see that, like, Jay Jones has put up things about out-of-state convictions of drug offenses and how the people should be able to petition for restricted driver's licenses. So, I mean, it's all online. I'm just saying that, like, this shouldn't, 
they shouldn't be the loudest, in my opinion, over a Trump visit, right? I should more people should know about the things that are being put put up so that they can pr- continue to place pressure and actually get more involved. Like when you know that someone's actually advocating for you or at least attempting to advocate for you, you're more likely to say, okay, this is something that I'm really, really interested in. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, the vast majority of people they don't know what they do in the in the uh, in the house. Yeah, well, I don't think our general assembly. I know our general assembly was never designed to be accessible to all anyway. If you think about it, that's why it's held for 45 or 60 days in the heart of winter mm-hmm. in Richmond. So, you know, it was never designed to be inclusive and accessible to all. Oh, no. And so, like, I had a conversation with a lady a few months back, well, a month back now. She's running for House of Delegates this year and she's a teacher. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, like, I think you really need to get permission from your from the division because, you know, you're going to miss significant time from work. And she was like, oh, no, I'll just go after work. I was like, no, this isn't like city council. Like, yeah. this is full time for those 45 or 60 days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, like, how many people truly have the ability if you're not an entrepreneur, a lawyer, a doctor, you really don't have the flexibility to say, I'm just going to be off work for two months to go to the General Assembly. No, you're right. And so you're, I agree with you. Like, I think we have to find creative ways and not in a gloating manner to say, okay, like this is what I'm working on. But we, the people also need to like push the envelope and say, hey, like this is what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to support them when they do that. Right. Right. And so what happens sometimes, I think people kind of put their neck out there and they kind of look like they are a lone wolf if they aren't getting the support. If they don't have what we can call the political coverage from the community, then they're just kind of out there to dry. And so I think some folks not making excuses. I'm preface this because I I, I see it on your face. Not making excuses. (laughs) Uh, But I think some people are afraid of that. And I mean, maybe that isn't the position for you if you're afraid. But the truth of the matter is, I think we the people really need to let our voices be heard. And that's why I like that's why I'm doing what I'm doing professionally, like to amplify the voices of historically underrepresented communities. I know I, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like there are a lot of people who are afraid. There are a lot of people who are afraid. And I think that fear in a lot of places comes back to like reelection. Right. So if your whole priority is to get reelected and not to do whatever you can to fight as hard as you can for the communities that you serve, you don't need you don't deserve to be in that position. But other than that, no, I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, I just feel like more people should be should know what type of policies. You know, one person who I feel like is doing a really good job of promoting her policies. And I know from California what she's doing. Danica Rome. Is that yes. how you say her name? Yes. I I feel like I know everything that that woman does, right? Like when she's trying to fix the the interstate, I know about it. She has, and I'm not even a, a part of her district. Yeah, I think I think one thing that helps Danica. I mean, she is a, a more of a national figure now. Right, and I think being closer to being in Northern Virginia, I think Washington Post covers her more than mm-hmm. some of the other um, That's members. You know, someone, a lot of the legislation that you're talking about and someone that I think that you would love, but you probably just haven't been exposed to her is uh, Delegate Price from Newport News. I don't know Delegate Price. Who is um, that? 
Yeah, so her name is Marcia, but she goes by Sia. She's from Newport okay. News. Oh, I just looked her up. I am familiar with her. I know yeah. I knew her by face, not yeah. by name. You know, I think she was the only person that in the General Assembly here, or she was definitely the first to endorse Bernie. And, you know, like Delegate Price, she's willing to go in, in, Absolutely in. Me. But I don't think she gets some of the, the political or like the media attention partly because of where she is and then i think part of it is because of some of the things that she pushes for i think also though one of the things that i do like about delicate price is i feel like her ground game is different in that like when i was finding out about her i wasn't finding out about her via twitter i wasn't finding out about her via what have you i was talking to like people that i knew that lived in that area who were like we are excited about um, Sia, right? And so I think to me, that's something that's incredibly impressive, right? Where most of the time, that the way that we find out about people is we're finding out about them via, you know, social media. Yeah. We're communicating our policies via social media. But Delicate Price, one of the things that she's, I feel like she was doing, or this is at least the impression that I was getting, is that she's talking to people, actively talking to people about the things that she's doing. And that's why I can get excited about someone like that. Like, it's all well and good to have a, a strong social media presence. We see that with, you know, the squad that's up in, you know, Washington, D.C. right now. They're, half of their presence is their social media presence. But, like, your your ground game is what, for real, in my opinion, truly wins you elections in your district. Do you, Are you knocking on doors? Do people know who you are? Do they know what you're, you're talking, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like I can't say that's true for everybody. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of it is we just have to redefine the way that we engage with people politically right you mm -hmm. know we can't just say i'm gonna go to this fish fry what's this labor day parade right. and i'm gonna i'm gonna make a visit to one black barbershop and say oh man like i did my african-american outreach or i'm gonna stop by a church for homecoming a black church for homecoming right mm -hmm. and so we have to redefine how we engage with people no, I 100% I agree. I think it's all about how we engage the public. And that's that's one of the things that I did like about the Virginia Black Caucus's protest was it wasn't just a... So, like, I don't want to make it seem like I thought that their protest entirely, like, that it was for nothing. I want to clarify that I think in a lot of ways the fact that they had an event in light of, like instead of, so that they could engage the people about what they were talking about and how all in all their protest is not just about Donald Trump, but they were commemorating the first, you know, populations of enslaved people who were forcibly brought to the United States. So like, that's how you engage the public. And I think that's incredibly commendable. So it's not just about like, okay, we're gonna sit at home, which is what a lot of people do when they boycott events. Sure. It's like, we're actually gonna create this as a platform for you to understand exactly what it is that I were doing and I was really impressed I respect that. and I was really impressed on a short notice the turnout that they had yesterday you know there were probably 125 people that's and amazing it was pretty it wasn't as hot as it had been in Virginia but it was pretty warm in that direct sunlight and like unfortunately a couple people the heat got to them physically and you know fortunately paramedics came to help them but yeah i mean i think it was a step in the right direction and so what i've been challenging folks who i talk to is like this can't just be the end like this just has to be a start right
But yeah, I mean, we kind of alluded to it today a little bit about education, but I would love to talk about diversity amongst teachers. And I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it feels good to kind of feel like getting back into a routine. So look forward to doing it again in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was good. I think that, like, it was a good conversation. We definitely disagreed uh, in some places, but I think it's all love at the end of the day. It was good. Yeah. Did we eat today? I think we did. I think we did. I think that we really started talking about, like, how we need to be engaging, I don't know, like, at all levels of government, right? And So maybe, 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 maybe. Ain't no f- maybe ain't no free lunch. Maybe we should drop like a legislative agenda. Oh, that would be dope. And like start send, like getting it out on listservs now. Mm-hmm. Find their partners, and then like maybe we can grade the whomever is elected after the twenty twenty session. Actually, that would be really really fascinating, and I would be super. I wonder if listeners would be interested. I think they would be interested because I do think that it's like the particularly looking at like the the national black caucus of like state legislators in the United and in Virginia. I mean, we can look at everybody, of course, but I think that they are doing a lot of really really good work. And so, like giving them a grade that acknowledges that, or even lets people know what I was talking about, like all that legislation that I want to see. That in some ways, in some places, they are all already doing all of that. So, like letting that be mass disseminated, I think would be important. Yeah, it's kind of like the mayorathon. How that started here in Richmond was like, oh yeah, and it wasn't. It's not necessarily like ABC, but it's like right. this is a campaign promise. Either you've fulfilled it, you're working on it, or you haven't started it. I mean, um, we could throw uh, Mayor Stoney in that in that mix too. Um, <laughs> and so so yeah, I mean that can't we had like campaign promises, but like the NRA, you know, their little agenda. That's kind of how it started. They just Hey, we're going to grade you on this. So, yeah, let's think about that. Let's chew on Let's that. do that. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. We'll be back very soon. See you next time. I you. I you. I you. I you. I you. I you.